When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Kane and Bucks. Can't stop addicted to the shindig. Chop chop, it says I'm gonna win big. Choose not to like of imitation. Distant cuts into the reservation. Ah, uh, that's it. Collingwood of Premiers for the 16th time. It was one of the great modern day grand finals, and we'll unpack it all over the next three hours. It's a very warm welcome to you on SEN Breakfast. Tom Morris stepping in the very large footprint of Kane Corns this morning for Melbourne Airport Parking. Nothing beats Melbourne Airport's terminal parking. Book online now. And for Brandt, best on ground for John Deere Equipment. On the McCafe menu today, and what a menu it is, a forensic examination of what took place in front of more than 100,000 fans at the MCG on Saturday via the buck stops here. Collingwood Great and Cup presenter Peter Moore, their CEO Craig Kelly. I've got some trade news, questions without notice. Your calls, SEN's leagues, Matt White, and plenty more. I also have a childlike excitement about some Ryder Cup biffo. The Wallabies are somehow still in the World Cup, that incredible NRL grand final. But joining me is a man who I imagine had a pretty good day on Saturday. Nathan Buckley. Bucks, good morning to you. Morning, Tom. Why does it need to be forensic? Why don't we just make it an emotional one? <laughs> be, well, what would you prefer? A much better. Well, talking about emotions, I mean, I've, I'm sure uh, I join nearly every Collingwood person um, yeah. For feeling like we've ridden a roller coaster at different times. I mean, in the last couple of years, in particular, the ride that Craig McRae um, and and the club have taken us on the last couple of years has been huge. I, I have a, a a fairly unique view of all of that, given my um, experiences at the club. But the the ride on Saturday was um, was as emotional as I've ever been a part of. There were there were things coming out of me yeah. that I didn't know were in there and. Shared with a couple of my uh, old teammates and, and old legends of the club um, in the in a sort of in a little Collingwood enclave. Yeah, who there. are you next so, to? So I was sitting next to Nick Maxwell and um, Anthony Rocker. Oh yeah, uh, wasn't far away. Sherrod Wellingham sitting in front of me. Luke Ball to my right. Um, Nathan Brown, Ben Reed, Lee Brown. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah Rowan Bounds, who's the yep. who, who's who had been um, head trainer for best part of thirty years. Um, yeah. So sitting with his family, um, and yeah, it was um, yeah, it was amazing. Maxie and I were talking tactics the whole time and had it all worked out. I'm and, sure you did. And uh, I think yeah, flying the guys must have been listening. <laughs> <laughs> this is how it played out on the final siren. Brought it to ground. Hoskin Elliott's kick is smothered. Coleman head over the ball, and so ends one of history's great grand finals. Collingwood take the final step on the stairway to Premiership Heaven. Flies, pies, win the close one. Collingwood are Premiers in 2023. 16 Premierships for Collingwood, equaling Essendon and Carlton. What a list that is. The IMA insurance line is open. Give us your grand final experience. Were you there? Where were you watching? 
IMAR Insurance, the tradies mate, call 13IMAR. The number, as always, is 1300 736 736 or send us a text on the Temper 40 Winks text line 0433 98 11 16. 40 Winks, serious about sleep. It was an incredible grand final, Bucks, and it got me thinking uh, about the other great grand finals I've seen. And my first grand final that I remember well was probably 1999. And really the great ones or the close ones that we've, we've seen were 02, 05 and 06. Um, 08 was great for other reasons. 2010 was clearly close because it was a draw. But this stands above even 2018 for me. Um, uh, it just was on another level. That second quarter was exhilarating. Nine goals were kicked. And we'll get into the detail later on. But in terms of ranking grand finals, where does it sit for you? Well, it's right up there. I was just I was just looking at, so Collingwood's le- like greatest leading margin at any point was 12 points at the six-minute mark yeah. of the first quarter when they kicked the first two goals. And Brisbane's was 13 points when Lincoln McCarthy kicked a goal 20 minutes into the second quarter. And then yep. it was, yeah, it had lead changes. So it was no more than two-goal gap between the sides for the for the whole day, which adds to it. Um, my, I, I can't get part, I've, I'm a little bit older than you, mate. So 1989 was the one that oh, stood yep. out for me. So six points to... To Hawthorne, Gary Ablett kicks nine goals. It's it's high scoring. There's heavy contests and clashes throughout. The ebbs and flows. Actually, earlier that year, they played a game in round eight. I think it was round eight at Princess Park. I remember sitting about three rows back on the wing watching this game take place. And Geelong were 10 goals up at halftime and Hawthorne came back to win by eight points. Yeah. So these those two clubs <laughs> had history that year. The same as Collingwood and Brisbane did throughout the year, given that Brisbane had won the previous two um, previous two fixtures leading in the grand final, but oh, yeah, oh, look, this one was was epic. Um, yeah, the the grand the, the day made it beautiful. Like yeah. it, it, it was it was fast football, um, highly skilled. You got rewarded for your great offensive play. You got rewarded for great defensive play. Um, there wasn't a huge tackling game, seventy three to fifty three, which is not yeah. over the top. So it was actually a good balance of inside crunch and 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 hardness. And outside skill. So I, th- I thought that's probably where the beauty of this game was. All right, give us a call on the IMAR Insurance open line, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Give us your grand final experience. Shane, you were at the grand final. How was the day for you? Hello. Shane, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you. How was the day for you? You were there. Yeah, I was there. It was fantastic. I was there with my wife, who's... Um, a Richmond supporter, but despite that, she really got into it. I'm a Legends member. Um, because of the problem with um, large numbers of members, I was virtually on the roof of the Southern Stand, but I don't think I've seen a better game, and I don't think I've ever barracked harder in my life. Did so you shed a tear? Shane, given all, given all of the um, the concerns of the week, once you got there, had you been able to put all that to bed and and just and just jumped into the moment? I had... There was a small portion of the boundary that I couldn't see because it was up so high, but yep. um, that that wasn't a real drama. Um, but just it was a we were in a small enclave of Collingwood people surrounded by Brisbane people, but we were all reasonably polite to each other. Um, yeah, it was one of the most amazing days we've ever experienced, and. Uh, breaking for Collingwood, I'm nearly 70 years old, and breaking for Collingwood and seeing all those losing grand finals is just, um, I felt like 2010 and, and um, Saturday, apart from the birth of my kids, were two of the greatest days of my life. Awesome. Love that. Thanks for your call, Shane, and well done. What an amazing feeling it is. Isn't it incredible, the emotive nature that grand finals can 
can elicit in people bucks. And Shane's a great example of that. Oh yeah, and and we'll hear from many more. But um, yeah, oh look, it was it, it was huge, and and because they don't come around all the time, and maybe because of the um, the the trauma and drama of of the history of uh, Collingwood in yep. grand finals, it, it means a little bit more to to the Pies faithful. That word trauma. That word trauma. It's, trauma's uh, there, mate. Trauma's there. All right, let's get to Mel, who went to the grand final. Uh, she's calling us from Ringwood. Mel, tell us how your day was. Oh, it was sensational, Tommy. Good morning, Bucks. It was just one of those days that you'll never forget. I was up in the concert at the top level with all the Legends members and I'd say that um, we were pretty elite with our performance as well. We were pretty uh, on, the, on the ball there. Um, but I've got to say, being up the top, I got to see the moves and it was it was just sensational. And you mentioned about um, Lincoln McCarthy's goal. I saw Kendall's go to Jordan Degoe and it was just, they made a switch and they just started with the chaos ball out of the centre and that's when I knew that we had, um, we started to play our game again and we kicked two goals and we hit the front at the half time Um, and it was just, when we played our game, that's when I knew we were going to win. I I just knew, I thought we've got this today. Thank you, Mel. Great call and great uh, reflections on what it was an amazing day. I think the grand final was just beautifully set up, Bucks, because you had the two teams that were in the best form in perfect weather um, on the biggest occasion, 100,024 people, which is the max at the MCG. And I couldn't pick a winner before the match. I, I, I really couldn't pick a winner because the lines were so good in the prelim. But the pies in the end, when it's close – they just don't lose. They haven't lost a close one since the prelim last year. And other than that, they pretty much win every single game that's within a couple of goals. Yeah, no, and and we've heard um, you know, both the coach, um, you know, Pendles himself, and, and anyone that's really asked about it is how when you're in those situations often enough, how you get exposed to how to handle them better. Yeah. So there hasn't been a lot of falling short. It's often been um, being able to – finish the job and get it done. But sometimes it'll be coming back from behind and we've seen plenty of that in 2022 and then a little bit early this year. And then sometimes it'll be how to hold that one goal lead or that one score lead. And yeah, a little, little handball from my check when he was tackled with about 40 seconds to go. Now the the handball went to Pendlebury who was literally half a foot away from him. And then the ball went to ground. Yep. Uh, Bartel, Enright, Ablett, um, did that to us in the 2007 prelim. I remember Bartel just three times ran to the closest Collingwood player. You tackle me, we'll go to a stoppage. Yeah, and it was smart as, and it's well coached, and it takes experience. But that's exactly what Collingwood were able to do. Let's whip through a few more calls. Colin in Balaclava joined us now. He's been a Pie fan for 75 years. Colin, how was your day on Saturday? Yeah, good day, Tom. My grandson's Tom, and we got him a ticket this time. He couldn't get in in 18, but. Uh, but anyway, uh, I was with my son as well, and uh, I saw the 53 grand final. Not that I remember much about it, but I remember Bobby Rose kicking the number 22, kicking the windy, windy goal, and uh, was there in 15, eight, 58. I was 15 then, and uh, saw 90 and uh, 10, and uh, I was just hoping and hope that in the last quarter when... Uh, when they hit the front at one stage and uh, it didn't look too good and then we fought back. We were so fit and, uh, you know, it was great and great for you, Bucks, too, to uh, 
after that 2018, uh, you know, it was devastating, really. The block on Maynard that wasn't paid by a Western Australian umpire, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Colin. We really appreciate it. Well done. Yeah, I'm I'm not really worried about where he came from, Colin. And um, we just didn't quite do enough right. Actually, the... It was sort of a bit of a flip side game because West Coast in 18, they, they controlled field position. They had yeah. more inside 50s and we were actually more effective going inside our forward, uh, forward 50. And that was, this was flipped on its head. So Collingwood had far more field position in, the, in, this, in this grand final. They had far more inside 50s. They defended yeah. extremely well. But Brisbane's front six, when they had their chances, they were as damaging as they've been all year. Yeah. And I, I had to look – when you look at the numbers, you, you're trying to actually work out how did Brisbane get so close. And you think about how effective they were when they went inside. Yeah. You know, Cameron, Bailey were as dangerous as ever. Danaher was up and about. Um, McCarthy kicked, kicked his couple. So they, they were – like Collingwood's best form of defence was actually to prevent the ball from going inside their D50 and they kept Brisbane to their lo- pretty much their lowest inside yeah. 50 count for the year. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to the buck stops here and I don't know if forensic examination is the right word, Bucks, but certainly a deeper look at what went on on Saturday. Tom and Seaford, I presume a Collingwood fan, <clears throat> how was your Saturday? Oh, I tell you what, Tom and Bucks, uh, absolutely exceptional. I've seen a lot of the losses uh, a couple of those magnificent wins, but this this ranks them up above some of the all-time great grand finals. And I personally, in my family, would like to thank Bucks for all his foundational work with what occurred on Saturday. Uh, and the the finishing moments or the, the, after the Cameron goal with five minutes left, what happened with those two clutch goals from uh, Saidi and uh, J- Jordan Ngoi will go down in folklore. It was exceptional to see such uh, incredible precision uh, occur at the uh, the toughest tension moments in grand finals, and it will never be forgotten. And I'll tell you what, Collingwood's going to make a fortune if they produce two things. And one will be Fly's last quarter Shiraz replay red wine, (laughs) and the other one is box set up 22 and 23, all those wins on DVDs. And the club will clean up. But it was just great. And thank you so much, Bucks, for what you did laying foundational work. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate that. Yeah, you, you're right it with the, the finishes. Mm. Um, I'll talk about it out of seven. But the centre bounce goals are key. Yeah. And the centre bounce goal that Geordie kicked directly after Charlie Cameron put the, the lines in front with five and a half minutes to go. Like, we'll go through all of that. There's a yep. Dacos v Neil aspect to it because. Yep. You've got the the master and the apprentice, basically. Mm. And as good as Lockie Neal has been throughout his entire career and how clean he is and how sharp he is with the ball, Nick's hands inside already Mm. and his vision already is is at Lockie Neal um, ability. And then um, you talk about, I think the caller before, Colin mentioned fitness. Yeah. Like I've seen... Steele and Crispy and even Geordie, like their their goals from 55 or th- three of those goals from 55, they just found an extra three or four or five metres on their kicks than they've ever had before. So I've got to, I've got to wonder about the conditioning and, and, and how well that's been done potentially in, yeah. in the gym because these boys have – and it's got to be a little bit of adrenaline in there as well, but they yeah. found they found extra. And, the, and the lines look tied despite the weather. Yeah. Well, well I more tied we, than we the pies. We built up too much about it. I think Collingwood were far more efficient yeah. and I think that's why you know, we, we talk about 
you know, weather or conditions externally. But if you if you play the game efficiently and you're confident yep. with how you uh, need to use your energy or, and where you can conserve your energy, I think that plays a bigger part. All right, give us a call, one three hundred seven three six seven three six on the IMR Insurance open line. We'll continue the ramble in a moment. The ramble for WD40, seven decades, one solution. Kane and Bucks. Can't stop SEN Breakfast, Tom Morris filling in for Kane Corns. Nathan Buckley's here as always. Are you a Kiss fan, Bucks? Um, no, I can't say I have been, but um, I respect their longevity and the <laughs> fact that there's a lot of people that have loved them over a long period of time. They are legendary with the way they go about it. I missed it because yeah. I was down uh, down on the Birrung Marv completing the, the Fox panel and then, oh, yeah. uh, then getting a buggy back up to... Um, to, to uh, get to the first bounce. So I missed Robbie Williams last year and I missed Kiss this year, but apparently the pyrotechnics uh, and the kids' um, choreography yeah. in the front was pretty awesome. It was an unbelievable performance. Yeah. Are you a Hunters and Collectors fan? Loved it. Loved the halftime. You know, was in the biggest army the world has ever seen. Yep. So that, that's, uh, it was quite uh, quite. Out. What about enough of the on the temper text, enough of the Colin crap now, move on. <laughs> Whoever that is, oh, look, I'd love you to follow SEN as much as you possibly can, but you might have to either, you know, just, just soak it up. There's a bit of Collingwood stuff this morning. Right. I don't think there's a, there's a couple of teams talking. There's an NRL game. Yep. There's an NFL that's going on at the moment. There's Wallabies. There's, all, there's a Ryder Cup. There's all of that. Yep. But there will be some Collingwood. I'm sorry, yep. but we can't avoid it. Full disclosure, it's a Collingwood show mostly this morning. Understandably so. We've Actually, got... one thing that's not Collingwood, yep. uh, Gary Hocking coached, oh, yep. uh, coached uh, Leopold to um, to a premiership this year. So I know, no, I'm not sure if he's... If he's got one as a coach in the past, and obviously when you talk about Starcrossed, and uh, yep. I think um, Buddha has had a long and storied career in footy. Yep. Um, as a player, fell short a couple of times. Yep. Um, hasn't quite got there. And he was an assistant. He was an assistant with you. Yes, for a couple of years in 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 eighteen and nineteen, and and well and beyond. But had a um yeah he was he was awesome, but a great football person. So congrats to uh, to Buddha. Yeah, well done, Gary Hocking. That's awesome. I love hearing that sort of story. Let's take some more calls. One three hundred seven three six seven three six on the IMR Insurance Open Line. Tina, a Pies fan. You love Saturday, I presume. Yes, I'm a Pies fan. Def- definitely very passionate. I was there on um, Saturday. Oh, what a what a fantastic experience. Firstly, I'd like to thank you, Bucks, for laying the foundation. You always inspire me. And and that team played, it's unbelievable the type of football they played. And they all did a part. And I I want to do a special mention to Scott Penderbury and Steel Sidebottom when things were going real high tension. That that their experience and their use of the ball was unbelievable, and that 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 goal that still side bottom got, I just thought, wow, it was just amazing, and um, I'm just I still can't believe we won. <laughs> Tina, I think there's a lot of Pies fans in the same in the same boat. Bucks Dermot Brereton called it on SEN. He said it was like a two iron off the fairway, still side bottoms kick. It was right. just so flush, wasn't it? He he did fight, and uh, like, uh, he looked like he was cramping just before it. So there was the theatre around it. 
He, uh, I spoke to him later that night. He said he was actually waiting for the, you know, he's going to punch it in about 15 metres out mm. you know, into the channel that they'd often create, but no one was moving into it. Mm. So as he was running in at the top of his mark, his first couple of steps, he think, I'm just going to hook this in. Yeah. But then uh, he had, he realised, uh, no, I've got a, uh, there's no one there. I'm going to have a, mm. I'm going to have a ping. And there was a bit of, br- there was a bit of breeze there. So we saw Jamie Elliott's hold up going, yep. going in front of the MCC, um, that was touched online. That was only from 45. So it was a little bit swirling. The wind was into for Jamie's, but it was carrying with uh, steels. Have you watched the presentation ceremony back on TV yet, Bucks, or not? No, I haven't. Oh, uh, the play's being presented oh, no, with the medals. No, I saw enough of that. Yeah, yeah. That was, I mean, that's always done brilliantly. Yeah. Have a listen to Nick Dacos being presented with his medal by a young girl. He good? He good? Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah! <laughs> How good's that? I love <laughs> Thank that. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, I think that's done really well. And you know what? I still saw people picking picking that to bits. Mm. Oh, you haven't given that kid enough or you haven't given this kid enough. And I, I look, I... I wonder how many people have actually been in that moment. Like, and, and it, and you can say yes, it does say a little bit about someone, but there are so many emotions that are going through your body, mm. and to pick like to pick up like a half a second where they might just miss a beat. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure most of the players, and even if and, and all the Brisbane players, most AFL players, they actually are really considerate of of the, the position they hold in society yep. and the time that they have with anyone at any time. One more call. Time for one more call. Let's do that. Steve from Doncaster, you were at the grand final. Did you watch the grand final? How did you take it all in? G'day, bo- <coughs> G'day boys. My, my throat's still a bit, um, <laughs> a bit, a bit shocking from, uh, oh, from uh, Saturday. But, um, Nathan, don't underestimate your involvement and in what you've done for that group of players some of them you wouldn't have coached, but a lot of them you did. So I, I hope in in the back of your mind and and in your heart that you're just a a part of this as anyone else from from the club. So you know we all hold you in in high regard. Um, so please don't underestimate your involvement, and and you're a part of this too. But you really are a part of this because without a lot of your foundation and what you did over the period of time that you had the reins, um, you know, a lot of this wouldn't have been possible. So, Look, you know Steve, what? Hats Steve, off Steve you. I, re- I really appreciate it. Um, I've got a lot of that sentiment and I've got to be really open and transparent with it. Like it's cold comfort in many ways because of the, the time that I've committed and, and not got the ultimate reward either as a player or as a coach. But my emotions after the final siren were along with every other Collingwood supporter, I was riding the, the highs and the lows with you and I was tremendously emotional immediately after with a couple of my old teammates and a couple yep. of guys that, that I'd coached. So I know how it feel, feels to be on this side of it, Steve. And, um, you know, I've, I've, got, I've got a lot of, uh, a lot of gratitude for, for my career. I've still got a little bit of, um, I suppose what ifs, yep. what ifs there, but I was I was I was wrapped to see the boys that some some of the boys that I've coached be rewarded and yep. and be uh, be able to 
take that last step because yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was awesome. But, yeah, thanks thanks for that, Steve. Steve, thanks for your call. You've won a $100 Archie's footwear voucher, Archie's thongs, so comfy you'll never take them off. The Ramble for WD-40, multi-use product, seven decades, one solution, available at all leading retailers. We'll get into the other news of the uh, last 24 hours in a moment. Uh, stay with us on SEN Breakfast. A sports news update for Kiza. Struggling with knee, back or neck pain? Rebuild your strength with a Kiza physio today. Welcome back to SEN Breakfast. Nathan Buckley and Tom Morris filling in for Kane Corns. Bucks, plenty of different sports news overnight. None bigger than the NRL Grand Finals. Did you watch it? I did. It was amazing. And they uh, so they've won their third straight uh, NRL Grand Final with a come from behind win, twenty six twenty four. They were up eight eight nil, and then Broncos went and scored twenty four points in a row before yeah. coming back. And if Nathan Cleary isn't the uh, NRL version of Scott Pendlebury, yes. I'll go here. Yeah. Are you across the uh, the betting agency? Um, oh, you tell us, yeah, so there was a betting agency that offered 100 to 1, was it? At yeah. the beginning of the season for anyone, up to 10 It was bucks. last October. They offered 100 to 1 on a number of different sporting events. So one was right. the FIFA World Cup. One was the AFL Premiership. I think the NBA as well, maybe even the NFL. Yeah. And I'd forgotten I'd laid a $10 bet on the Penrith Panthers. And I got an email last night saying, congratulations, you've won $1,000 because – the 100 to 1 odds, the max bet was $10. And apparently they've got to pay out $72 million or something ridiculous like that. And quite a few of my friends did the same thing. Unbelievable stuff. Well, I'm, I'm wishing that I had a name yeah, about Sorry, that I should have told I you last October. Punter. <laughs> yeah, I'm but, not really um, a punter myself. So is, no that, is that going <laughs> to cripple them? Like, is it cripple them? Or? I don't know. I, I've got no idea. I don't know the economics If it doesn't, it shows you how much money. It, that's right. <laughs> I mean, they tried to lure us in and they got me. I mean, I had money on Brazil for the – World Cup. I think I, looking back on it, I had money on Geelong for the AFL Premiership as well. This was October 13 last year. So a nice little pleasant surprise last night, Bucks, when I found that out. Um, the Wallabies, <coughs> somehow still in France as well. They've, uh, they beat Portugal with a bonus point, 34 to 14. And now they're waiting on Fiji, who only need to get one point in their last game in a week to progress. So and it's Fiji been, or us. They've been pretty good, Fiji. Well, yeah, we've been terrible. I well, can't our, our, how are we still in it? Our, our obituaries have already been <laughs> written and, and published. So yeah. What's going on? Well, I listened to Tom Decent, who's the Sydney Morning Herald journalist, and he, uh, he he's the one who wrote the story about uh, Eddie Jones meeting with Japan, and his article was pretty much like, I can't believe we're still here. I don't, yeah. I don't, can't believe we're still in France. So um, the other sport last night was the Ryder Cup. Tell me about that because I know oh, this is a passion of yours. Where do you want to start with the Ryder Cup? Well, it, the beef started the day before. So Rory McIlroy, playing for the European team, was putting for birdie to tie the the match. Um, and, and the caddy was a bit too close to the hole. Was it? So he wasn't in line, was he? No, he wasn't in line, but he was waving his hat around. Patrick Cantlay's caddy, yeah. Patrick Cantlay being a US player, waving his hat around. Um, and Rory McIlroy didn't like it, and he told him so after the round. So there was a bit of spice, but in the end, it was a pretty one-sided Ryder Cup. I'm just looking at the scores now. The right, the the Europeans, uh, sixteen and a half, yeah. sixteen to twelve, was it? Something like that. Yeah, but it was the 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 beef that was around between the US team and the European team was quite quite incredible. And Rory McIlroy doesn't normally lose his cool like that, but the vision is amazing, and it was caught by the cameras too. So I uh, I enjoyed that. And in There's the pre- a bit of live VPGA stuff going on as well too, isn't there? Well, there is, Underneath and that's still the, existing. Mm. The reality with Rory McIlroy is that. He has been loyal to the PGA Tour for a couple of years now, and now it feels like it's all amalgamating. And 
he's being left to sort of think, well, what did I do that for? He's probably cost himself mm. literally hundreds of millions of dollars alongside the others. Um, in the Premier League overnight, Nottingham Forest and Brentford played out a one-all draw. Did you see Spurs? Um, did their unbelievable 2-1 win over Liverpool in the 96th minute. Yeah, well, Liverpool down to nine men. They were nine men. Cards. Yeah, they were, they were 10 men, I think, from the 37th minute, mm. nine men from the six, nine, nine men from the 60-odd minute. And, um, but undefeated, Spurs. Un, still undefeated, second on the table. Um, bit of controversy as well because Liverpool scored a goal that uh, was called offside and then after the game, the Referees Association conceded that it wasn't offside. But we'll take it. Ange Postacoglu mm. is doing pretty well, isn't he? Um, it, it, the, the amount of support on at the moment is incredible and we'll get into the grand final uh, discussion again after 7 o'clock. Imagine what you could be buying instead for free and confidential sport. Visit gamblinghelponline.org.au and we'll have a trade update in the next hour or two for your local tyre power. Get four for the price of three on select Kumo passenger and SUV tyres. Plenty more to come. Next up, we're going to talk to Matt White, SEN League commentator about last night's unbelievable Penrith Panthers uh, NRL grand final win. That's three in a row for them. Stay with us on SEN Breakfast. Rugby League. Kane and Bucks. Can't stop addicted to the shindig. Chop top, he says I'm going to win big. Choose if- they're five metres out. Kenny goes to the short side. Nathan Cleary. Nathan Cleary. He goes through. Cleary under the post. He has a kick to take the lead. And maybe the Panthers towards a famous three-peat. Full time. The Penrith Panthers three-peat. We've witnessed one of the most remarkable comeback games you'll ever see. And Nathan Cleary. Champions want the ball when everything is on the line. And Nathan, with a cape on, has stolen their third in a row, the Penrith Panthers. Now That's the voice of Joel Kane from SCN League. What an incredible grand final it was last night in the NRL. 26-24, the Panthers three on the trot. Matt White from SEN League joins us now. He's also the host of SEN Mornings in Sydney. Thanks to Keezer struggling with back pain. Now's the time for Keezer. Matt, make sense of this all for us. What an incredible night it was up there. Good morning, boys. Uh, make sense of it all. I reckon that's, uh, it sounds easy after a grand final, but after what we witnessed last night, I mean, it's almost impossible. I've never seen rugby league in particular struggle to to get its head around what it just saw. Um, I think league has, has been kind of lazy for so many years in its marketing to keep falling back on simply the best. And there it was on show last night with the Tina Turner, the musical uh, cast pumping out Sydney the, uh, simply the best before the match. And it was an extraordinary effort just to see that. I mean, it was a brilliant build-up. And then what we witnessed last night was simply the best. It was... Um, if not the best, then certainly one of the best grand final deciders. And it was incredibly the best performance individually by Nathan Cleary that's been coming for a long, long time. But remarkably, in about 20 minutes, I mean, he really only did that in a quarter of the game. So it was extraordinary what we've seen. It's, it's amazing, fellas. Rugby League just can't get a handle on last night, aside from the fact that Penrith are a champion team. Uh, and here they are with the three-peat, which is has just taken a lot of people's breath away. It was an exceptional game. So Ezra Mam went and went and went bang, 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 three tries at the beginning of the second half, and it just looked like how far the Broncos, the you know, the, the Panthers looked like they were out in their feet. But like 
as a as a supporter of sport, I watched Nathan mm. Cleary and I saw what he did in that next little period of time. Where does he where does he rank in in the history of the game with a performance like that on a grand final stage? Well, Nathan Cleary's, you know, one of the great players that the game has ever seen and he's still only young. I think he's only 25 mm. years of age, so he's got such a long way to go. What he did last night was win the premiership for his team in the space of 20 minutes. He didn't assist in that. He he literally picked them up mm. and dragged them across the line and did it with an individual try to rubber stamp it. So Cleary's gone from, you know, this great player in the game with this enormous future ahead of him to, uh, I mean, I really don't know how to put it, Bucks. I mean, I don't want to say immortal because he's mm. got such a long way to go. Um, but the performance last night and what he did will will be talked about for a long time. And, and you're right, the fatigue factor was there throughout this game. The intensity was there throughout this game. The brutality was there throughout this game. This was state of origin times 10. Um, it was a hot night in Sydney, and they were gone for all money. Brisbane had the lead. They were leading 24 points to eight at one stage. And mm. even the commentators, you know, when you're watching the, the coverage last night, most of, most of the good judges were thinking, Penrith are done here. But for Cleary to, to do what he did in the way that he did it, a 40-20 kick, he, he made sure that he took a, a drop out with his foot over the sideline to yeah. take it all the way back. And then he individually managed and manufactured the performance that got them across the line. It was remarkable, really remarkable. Yeah, it, uh, your, um, your resistance or hesitation to use the words immortal, is it's a very league thing, isn't it? And it was even in the call, yeah. he's gone from you know, he's gone from a legend to, and, and, and the commentator didn't want to say to immortal <laughs> because that's nearly something that you've nearly got to post-analyse, but... I, I, I think we were, we we're witnessing it in the moment. You, you just can't ignore what you saw. What the, the the Panthers guys had quite a few HIAs. How, how mm. did has that been as impactful in a final as as the NRL have ever seen? Well, when I was watching it, I saw the the parade of players, you know, come off for various reasons, and um, I, I don't think anything was, you, you know. Um, magnified because it was a grand final in the HIA status. Jerome Luai went off with a shoulder, and when Luai went off, I thought that was it for Penrith. When Isaiah Yo went off, I thought that was it for Penrith. Penrith had this remarkable ability to, to have this next-man-up attitude. I mean, every player, every club's got it, but they've got the system to back it. And in the grand final last night, that was on show, and they didn't miss a beat when those key players were off the field, either injured or with HIAs. And the, the way that this game was played with the intensity um, out there that was that was on show for the entire 80 minutes. The first 40 minutes, I, I wrote three words down at the end of halftime. I, I wrote intense, brutal, and then fatigue with about three exclamation marks <laughs> out of it. I, <laughs> because I couldn't summarise it any other way than there was two points in it at halftime. Penrith were leading eight points to six. They scored um, a pretty sort of innocuous try really they it was opportunistic Mitch Kenny got the ball across and then they didn't score again until Cleary set them alight late in the second half so they scored their first and only try in the in the first half off an opportunistic bounce and then they had to wait and wait and wait and they had to do it with all those players off the field I think one of the really remarkable talking points this morning is about Cleary's Clive Churchill medal 
because when you analyse the first 60 minutes of the game, Nathan Cleary didn't play up to Nathan Cleary's standards. His kicks were off mark. He got shown up on defence on a couple of occasions. He wasn't in the game as much as he normally is. He won the Clive Churchill medal off the back of 20 minutes of football. He won the grand final off the back of 20 minutes of football. It's the most complete 20 minutes I've ever seen. And I've been having a debate in my head, guys, about whether that... I certainly don't don't begrudge Nathan Cleary the Clive Churchill medal, but whether that kind of performance, which is essentially a quarter of football, is good enough to win the player of the match for the entire match of football. But then you can't take away from the fact that they wouldn't won, wouldn't have won the premiership mm. if he didn't do what he did for those 20 minutes. It's it's a debate that's been going on the left and right side of my brain since he, <laughs> since he, since he iced it last night. One last quick one. What about the, the debate for the Penrith Panthers and where this puts them among the great NRL teams of all time or even the great league teams of all time if you go back before the NRL era? I was around in 81, 82 and 83 when Parramatta dominated and scored three in a row. They made four grand finals in a row. They got beaten in their fourth one. I've seen this Panthers team in a very, very different era. Um, They are without doubt the team of the last three decades, without doubt. I mean, what they've achieved over the last three years winning and four years straight has been quite phenomenal. And that's from the ground up and the way that they've done it. What we saw, however, last night was that there is an opening there. The Broncos should have won that game and they should have won the grand final. So there are teams now that have worked it out. Cleary said we're only just getting started. But I think there are teams now who go, "Mm, okay, we know how to rattle the Panthers. Now we've got to work out how to finish over the top of them. And on top of that, we've got to work out how to nullify somebody whose greatness has just gone to new levels last night in Nathan Cleary. Matty, thanks so much for your time. It's an unbelievable day of NRL news and we really appreciate you jumping on. Thanks, fellas. Matty White, SEN League commentator and host of SEN Mornings in Sydney. Up next, pull up your socks. Kane and Bucks. Can't stop addicted to the Pull up your socks. You could have run and intercepted that first goal. I'm so done with this team. So get out there and attempt to do as I ask. If you don't want to defend, grab your bag and walk out. Pull up your socks. For all day comfort, everyday quality and everyday style. It has to be All Day Socks by Underworks. Tom Morris filling in for Kane Collins this morning. Pull up your socks for Underworks, everyday style, All Day Socks by Underworks. Have you got one, Bucks? I have. And just a nod to Ron Barassi too. He's still a a, um, pivotal voice in that play on. He gave some of the greatest sprays, and we've been able to listen to that a little bit over the last couple of weeks, but still still quite sad. So, Val, Val, Ron. Um, yeah, my my pull up your socks is more. It's a little bit. The, it's tongue in cheek, of course. But Collingwood fans at quarter time on the weekend, there was a MCG DJ. Now I I don't get a chance to see this set off. I don't know how long this has been going for. But in the grand final, the spectators or who was there, they voted on what what song they wanted to hear. Mm. Now it ended up being Country Road. Now Charlie Cameron hadn't had a touch in the first <laughs> quarter. He he hears this song after he after he kicks goals. Yeah. It hit him. He came out of the quarter time huddle and his first touch, first goal, goal in the goal. second quarter. So, so who you, who's saying pull up your socks too? Um, the people. Well, so I had a look. It was sixty eight percent of the vote. There was three songs yeah. that were up there. I don't know if that was the only selections, mm. but sixty eight percent of the vote went to Country Road. 
and I'm pretty sure that the Collingwood fans were still celebrating Geordie Degoe's post-quarter time <laughs> siren goal, and they didn't vote. I like it. it <laughs> so it's to Pies fans. Yeah, correct. We'll get into the uh, uh, game analysis after seven. Stay with us on SEN Breakfast. So much more to come. And Bucks. Uh, very good morning to you. If you're just joining us, Tom Morris stepping in for Kane Corns this morning for Melbourne Airport Parking. Nothing beats Melbourne Airport's terminal parking. Book online. And for Brandt, best on ground for John Deere equipment. We've had a big first hour. We spoke to Matty White about the amazing NRL grand final last night. But we've got a bigger hour coming up because Nathan Buckley is in the house. Uh, Collingwood CEO Craig Kelly and club legend Peter Moore will join us as well after 8am. We've got Speaks Volumes, but first, it's the Buck Stops here. To Buckley, what a magnificent kick. Wonderful. To Buckley, who unloads from 55 metres The Buck Stops here. Brought to you by Latrobe Financial. Trusted by Australians for more than 70 years. Whammy! Right, so Tom, before I jump into this, I've got a, a text that came through. So apparently the three song choices at quarter time were all Brisbane songs. <laughs> and then at three quarter time, the, they were all Collingwood songs, whatever the Collingwood well, songs were. What were the Collingwood were. songs? Well, I, I can't know. remember. I, I, don't know the, I don't know if Collingwood had been playing songs after goals. They just sing Collingwood. Yeah, that's pretty much all we need. But <laughs> all right, so that's a good square up. But And then there was a couple of triggered Pies supporters here. I totally agree. I never want to hear that bloody song again. But anyway, okay, let's jump into it. So, look, there's so many places you can go. So this isn't an, ex- an exhaustive list, but yep. it's it's a couple of talking points that I want to go best. to. Right, so num- number one for me is just the fast starting grand finals and how important that was. Um, and Collingwood have done this in each of their finals uh, against Melbourne, against GWS, and then and then again on the weekend. And it was field position that did the trick and a couple of small fours that got dangerous. Dacos, was he caught high? Nick claims he was. Umpire says yes. He's become arguably the biggest story of the season, Nick Dacos, and he kicks the opening goal. McCreary ran into space, double back, Bobby! And he strikes it pure. So it's always good to be able to put your opposition on the back foot, um, and you've got to make your own luck. I thought the, the Nick Dacos high tackle was marginal. Um, I'm not sure if... The, the, his first goal. Yeah, but, yep. but you've got to have field position to do that. So I thought Mason Cox on McInerney in those first um, ruck duels was was crucial. Um, and Collingwood's midfield got to work. Across the board, it looked like over the balance of the game, the, the Collingwood midfield was was dominant compared to the Brisbane midfield. I think that was a significant aspect of Collingwood's game. But they gave them field position early. And for you know, Dacos to get involved as a forward to start the game, and then Bobby Hill, who got on the end of a, a Bo McCreary pass, which was great vision, and that got his game going. So if you get a, if a small forward and you kick a goal early and you're out to, as, as that was the highest um, margin for Collingwood for the day, which was 12 points at the six-minute mark. So significant to be, able to, to be able to jump out of the blocks. So you reckon Collingwood controlled the match? I mean, looking at the scoreboard, it was a four-point margin. But Collingwood kicked one goal six in that third quarter. Um, and it, the game could have gone either way, but it felt as if the Magpies had the run of the game for most of the second half. Is that how you saw it from your angle? Well, it, it, if statistically, 
it looks that way. I mean, they had 57 inside 50s to 43. But point two for me is is where Brisbane were in the game and were a danger of taking it further out of Collingwood's grasp. By the time we got to half time, Brisbane, their forward efficiency was so good that that was where we had this high-scoring game going. They didn't need much forward play to be able to score, and and the Brisbane front six were exceptional. Oh, oh, Bailey saw that he played on, got across his boot. Danaher ran straight into Quaynor. Back to Bailey in the pocket, ran himself into a dead end, got out of it and kicked one of the great grand final goals. Hands it off to McCarthy from the pocket for the miracle shot. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) The great McCarthy. Great so, calling, Dwayne. Oh, it was huge. And 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 at halftime, you're thinking, with this, I mean, we're in a real contest here. We've already seen 17 goals scored. We saw 10 in the second quarter alone. Mm. But Brisbane's forward play was so good. It, it, the, their best, so in terms of goals for inside 50s, they'd kick, they'd kick, at that stage, they kicked nine goals from 25 entries. So that's, that's better than one in three. Yep. They're the best team in the competition at converting entries for goals across the season at one in five. So they were beating wow. their own best by a fair way. Um, Bailey kicked a couple of perlers in the yeah. first quarter. Cameron had got on the board and kicked a couple in the second quarter. Danaher a couple, in, um, one in the first and one in the second. Uh, sorry, both in the second. And, and McCarthy had hit the scoreboard. Yeah. So they'd, eight of their nine goals had come from their, their front six. Their midfield had won enough clearance to give them supply. And they relied on that because they weren't actually moving the ball that well from their back half to their front half. They only had 43 insides for the whole game. But... At that stage, you thought, well, if Brisbane midfield can get enough supply to their forwards, Collingwood's back six aren't holding up as well as they have or as well as they could, and it looked like Brisbane were imposing the best of of their football. Uh, It's great analysis, but their midfield didn't kick the goals that they wanted the Lions. No, and in the end, that's that's number three. Great leading, mate. Like, the Pies needed to find uh, more scoring avenues, and and they they had only kicked... um, yeah, single-figure goals in the first two finals for narrow wins, and, and it was going to be a challenge against a heavier-scoring Brisbane side to be able to to be able to find those goals, and it ended up coming from the midfield. Caresses the kick for Chris. He's got it on a lovely-looking path to goal. He lays it off to Pendlebury, who got loose in board. One of the greatest of all magpies. 30 metres out. He's every bit back. Side bottom. In game 309 from outside the arc. Oh my goodness! He has got it! And the place erupts! And a couple of those, like, yeah, Geordie's in the, at, at quarter time, Steele's um, towards the end of the last quarter, and, and Jack Crisp's when. When uh, when they really needed one, the pies they were all fifty five meter kicks, yeah. so that was exceptional finishing. But the but the midfield scoring was was crucial. Chris ended up kicking two off the wing at yeah. the end of the second quarter. Dugowie got both of his as a midfielder. Uh, side bottom kicked his off the wing, and and Scott Pendlebury kicked his as a midfielder. Dacos's was as a forward. So six of Collingwood's twelve goals were actually out of the midfield. So they didn't rely on their front six for scoring as much as Brisbane were, but the midfield dominance and their ability to to surge forward out of clearance and made them more and, and in transition made them more damaging than their Brisbane counterparts. You know, in every grand final there's iconic moments and still side bottom's goal to me will be one of them. A veteran player, fifty five metres out, on a hot day, fatigued, sailing it through quite easily. Did you think he had the legs when he was having – it was a 50-metre penalty, wasn't it? Absolutely not. 
Absolutely not. And and my I've spoken to Steele about this quite a bit. I I think he he kicks the ball slightly further on his left than he does on his right <laughs> when he when he goes around on the arc from a distance. Yeah. Um, but he was he was really confident. He's found he's found that distance. He thought there was a little bit of breeze behind him. Um, and he, the expected sort of uh, hit up target, sort of to the hot spot, didn't didn't uh, appear as he was began his run. But I, I, that that was significant because if the if the Collingwood midfielders didn't get forward to take advantage of their high forwards, did an enormous amount of defensive work and contest work out of the first kick out of stoppage. Yeah, and then the surge of uh, midfielders through that next contest was where the scoring came from. And Pendlebury's kryptonite, and he's spoken about this, is sometimes his set shots, but he had no trouble with that at a time when he's at the 27th minute mark of the third quarter. And Collingwood hadn't kicked a goal in that third term up to that point. I think they had naught goals five or something like that. Yeah, Yeah, and and that was was significant. And that was down my end. I was right on the angle and and I had the same thoughts. Same thoughts exactly to what you've said. It's it's it has been probably the only thing that he haven't hasn't aced. He probably only gets an A an A minus for that part and of the game. And he concedes this. And he everything knows else this. is an A plus. <laughs> yeah. But but then, but that just shows you the strength of character and it needs to get done. But yep. that was exceptional. Part number four for me was centre about scoring and how important it is both ways. Uh, Collingwood ended up kicking three one from centre bounce. Um, and Brisbane kicked two of their own, which were both crucial. The, the Cameron goal out of quarter time as, as one of them. But the centre bounce scoring is quite often revolves around momentum. Mm. And Collingwood were able to, when Brisbane hit the front with, Char- with the Charlie Cameron goal at the 18-minute mark of the last quarter, the first goal of that last quarter, Collingwood needed to respond. And that, um, that last centre bounce goal was significant. Gets a kick up inside the 50. Majacek in the front. Gardner knocked it away. Nick Dacos, lightning hands. Here's the Ngoi moment. He unloads. Bang! You need your stars. And Collingwood stars just went and wrenched the cup back. You do need need your stars. And the Ruckman were in there. Um, Brisbane had Dunkley, Neil and Zorko. So yep. they had a had Zorko, who's been a, a fast feet, centre bounce player. Neil, who's one of the premiers, and Dunkley, who's a bigger body, who gets the job done. Collingwood went in there with Penderbury, Dacos and Dugowie. Mm. So when the ball hit the ground, it was it was actually Dacos v. Neil. So it was the the master and the apprentice. Yep. You know, the guy who's quickest feet, fastest hands – knows how to get in and out of contests against Nick Dacos, yeah. who is showing his wares in that in that situation. Nick was the one who actually got body in front because Neil was sweeping the contest, had to go and win that contest twice, quick hands out to Penderbury, the ball goes forward. Dunkley slips over and already you've got Nick Dacos who actually has spread forward of Lockie Neal and you've got Dugowie who is in front of Josh yeah. Dunkley. The contest from my check and the and – the, the Brisbane um, defenders was excellent, but Jordan Degoe is actually on Nick Dacos's left. He 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 knows already that if if Nick gets this ball, they've played enough footy together, and he's and and Jordy's not stupid. He knows that if Nick gets the ball and he lets him know where he is, that he's going to find some space. So he actually crosses behind him, blocks Lockie Neal in the process, which gives Nick an extra half a second. Yeah. Calls for the ball on his right, and the handball goes out instinctively. Nick actually said he was going to thump the ball 30 metres forward over the contest that yeah. he was running to. 
but that quick handball and then that finish was so crucial because you you need to answer straight away to get that momentum back back on um, on your keel and yeah. that was exceptional the way they did that. And Jared Waitley called it beautifully. That was Jordan Degoe's moment, wasn't it? It's almost like his whole career had led up to this opportunity from fifty meters out, and he just nailed it. It was yeah. just it was just him. Well, and yeah, he's he's I think he's the highest ranked player in the field again. Like, so that is th- that's two finals in a row that Degoe he's was. Been, yeah, he, was he? Yeah, I, and it was I think it was in one of the rankings, one of the AFL rankings, it was like twenty two ish. The ones that I, I don't know exactly how they. It's not a super coach, but but he was he was the highest rated mm. player on the field, and and that just shows you how impactful his touches were. And when you're kicking goals in key moments, that's part of the reason that uh, that it pops up. He had eighteen and two. What's next, Bucks? So the last one is I've got to go to Pendles. Um, yeah. You know this this guy played his three hundred and eighty third game in his career, so he's drawn level with Robert Harvey, who has been one of my favourites uh, mm. for the longest time. Um, but this bloke is is definitely right up there for me. I, I think his last quarter and the way he willed himself into and through the contest, through the last quarter to, to be able to steer his team to a second pre- to his second premiership, I thought that was exceptional. Now, Pendle's last quarter was something else and you know, his composure when everyone else was starting to get a little bit fatigued and he just, but what you guys do see or don't see is the organisation. Really proud of the group. You know, our fans have been amazing all year. I know we've probably given a few heart attacks here and there, but uh, it's all worth it. What Fly just said then, what we see or don't see, we do see it. I think we see it, but it's not – you can't possibly understand the impact that it has. I, I think it, it is, even if you rated it, even if you celebrated it and put it on a pedestal, it still would not reach the heights of how impactful it is. So I walked out of the the, um, the club on Monday leading into the grand final and Pat Lipinski, who has only played with Pendles for a couple of years – Spoke about a couple of anecdotes where he just he had the ball and Pendles would be behind him saying kick it out to the right and he just kicks yeah. it. Out. He doesn't even need to look. He just puts it out there because he trusts his team. He trusts his captain. He trusts the way he sees the game. So Pendles has got he's, he's the puppeteer and he's got all of the all of the guys around him, especially in defence. Yeah, he was always great at setting up people, making sure you put him in that defensive midfield role. He sits slightly in front of the key of the running backs, and he just looks after the twelve play or the eleven players in front of him, and makes sure that that part of the ground is set. In offense or clearance, he does the same. Eleven touches, nine kicks, two handballs, three tackles, three marks, four contested possessions. After kicking a goal late in the yeah. third, he um, what a what a star. He he is the Kobe Bryant of of the AFL. And by that I mean he's the he's a quiet achiever who is prepared to work every day to be better. He's he doesn't he doesn't beat his chest. He doesn't um, he's not loud. He's not a um, he's not brash. No. But he just kills with a thousand cuts. Maybe he's the Warren Buffett of the AFL. He just thinks, well, I'll, I'll make the right decision today and tomorrow and the day after, and then I'll just get better and better and better, and the returns will get bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's what he's done throughout the course of his career. Does this performance elevate him to, in your mind, the greatest Collingwood player of it's all time? Is that- nearly impossible to argue. Nearly yeah. impossible to argue. I think the fact that there, there is an irony, he's captain longer than anyone else at the at the football club, and he hasn't been a premiership captain. 
but he's won yeah. a Norm Smith medal and he's directed. Well, he's been sat on a year well, both either side, hasn't abso- he? Absolutely. He must be shattered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's done very well. Scott Pendlebury, what a superstar. And he is contracted for next year as well. He should get to 400. And there is an article in The Age today by Mick Gleeson arguing that he is the best Collingwood player of all time with your name and, of course, Peter Dacos and a few others in there as well. That's the buck stops here. Thanks to OMF, Australian owned and designed a very good edition, a grand final edition Bucks. Give us a call, one 736 736 on the IMR Insurance Open Line. We'll talk more grand final after this. Kane and Bucks. Can't stop the Al came running out of halfback to be the recipient, and without hesitation, he kicks for Hill. Oh, he went over the top. He went up the mountain and came down a hill. Bobby to level it up. It's a stirring response from Collingwood. Uh, SEN Breakfast, Tom Morris filling in for Kane Corns and Nathan Buckley. What a morning to be sitting That's alongside you. a great call. You. I hadn't heard that. Great he, call he from He went Jared up the Whaley. mountain and came down the yeah. hill. <laughs> but all because Braden Maynard, I'm not going to do your job of being an analyst, but Braden Maynard hit Jeremy Howe. Jeremy yep. Howe kicked it over the top and Bobby Hill um, sat on the shoulders of his opponent. Yeah, well, and that was that was directly after, that was the bang-bang response to um, to Brisbane. They kicked five of, the, five of the first six goals in the second quarter to go 13 points out. And then Jack Chris took kicked a centre bounce goal, which was crucial. Mm. And then um, and then that bit of play there, where it was literally taking the game on and looking for those opportunities and the cracks that might be in the opposition's defence. Yep, I've been doing it all year, and it, it paid off when it mattered. Bobby Hill, four goals, worthy Norm Smith medalist. It was unanimous amongst all the voters. So Luke Darcy, Eddie Betts, Jude Bolton. Sarah Ollie and Luke Shuey were the judges, and they all gave Bobby Hill three votes. Yeah, it was it was really clear. I, I thought there are a lot of significant contributors, um, but but he was you know six scoring shots. He gave one off to Pendles. If he'd have kicked straight, he would have kicked six. Yeah. So and and could have kicked seven. I mean that's how impactful he was. So um, yeah, to have eighteen touches, sixteen of them in the front half, like mm-hmm. that's very rare. Like sixteen touches in a front half in a granny. You're going to be one of the most damaging players on the field, and and I thought that was that was accurate. And do you think they got it right with Caden Coleman, who got five votes, and then Nick Dacos was four? Yeah, well, let's let's um let's just take a moment to acknowledge that young man. Yeah, and look, he's um 22 touches in the first half off the back of his prelim final performance. Yeah, you know, he hasn't. It probably goes to if if we if we consider where Brisbane are. Like it, it goes to what Fakes was saying afterwards about you know the, the fact that they've got a lot of growth in them still, and and Coleman's performance was he just finds time and space. Yep. He's he's hard and tough when he needs to be. He's so skillful. He's got a bit of show and go in him. I wonder he's not he's not running hard. He's not a hard runner, but he's just a smart runner. I, I don't know what his scope is going to be. He he's. He's untapped, really. He could go anywhere in the game, but what a what an enormous talent. Give us a call on the IMAR Insurance open line, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Bucks, I want to ask you about your experience as a Collingwood person mm-hmm. on the weekend. How does it sit with you as a, as a fan, as a former player, as a coach? It must be difficult in some respects. Oh, yeah, there were mixed emotions, but most of them were euphoria. Yeah. Um, I, I had things come up that I didn't realise – were were there such um, as what? Well, I, I like I was openly sobbing like, like at the at the final siren and beyond, and um, 
I was sitting at, sit, I was standing around and sitting around uh, a lot of sort of ex-teammates, next players. I was next to Nick Maxwell. Um, Pebs was nearby. Anthony Rocker and his family, Enza and, and their kids, and and um, yeah, I had my head down, trying to work it all out. Um, and you know, Maxie and I were hugging, and then um, yeah, Pebs came across and he whispered in my ear. He goes, "We got one back," and like you don't get them back. But there, there was a little bit of that, you know, a little bit of poor bugger me that came into it. But the other part is looking at, you know, looking at guys like Jeremy Howe, Braden Maynard, obviously Steele and, and Pendles who have, have won their second one. Um, but just, you know, Brody Majacek, Jamie Elliott, who's had so many injury concerns, ups and downs, and, you know, wouldn't, would have wondered whether this day was ever going to come. So those, those boys, even, and, you know, Darcy Cameron, who'd come in relatively late, wasn't in the 18 program, but came in and, and had a significant impact. Isaac Quainer, Will Hoskin, Elliott's one that was that's been there for the most of the journey. So yeah. to see those guys rewarded, and then you then that's tempered by you think I think of Tay Adams, and I think oh yeah shit that this yeah. is like this is tough like, and that's why and John Noble. So and I don't and I have sort of hadn't rub shoulders with Dan McStay, but I can only imagine how that felt to be you know to, to play your best footy towards the pointy end and then. And then not be able to be there, but yeah. I think that's that's probably that's what grand final, yeah, that's what the pinnacle, pivotal moments bring out is is the highs and the lows, the good and the bad, um, the excitement, um, the trials and the tribulations, and and it's it's got it all, and it was it was a great day for it. Beautifully described. I, I can only ima- I can't imagine how difficult it would have been, but also joyous as well. And I saw you in the rooms mm. after the game giving Jeremy Howe a hug. So we might just touch on that. I forced my way in there. I, <laughs> I didn't have any tickets, but I, I, I didn't want to be there. I wanted, just wanted to be a fly on the wall. So I got in the corner out of everyone's way and spent five minutes there just observing it and then got out. Billy, uh, Scott Vale, you want to talk about Scott Pendlebury. Uh, what an amazing career he's had and he's still got a bit of footy to come. G'day, Billy. Yeah, morning, guys. Yeah, just a quick question for Bucks. Um, just regarding Pendlebury, uh, that summary that he gave was spot on. I'm a mutual supporter, but I actually thought that um, he got Collingwood over the line in that last quarter. And I was just horrified that he only got one vote in the Norman Smith. I actually thought he had a good chance of winning, the winning and I just thought what Bucks thought about that. Just the one vote really surprised me. Yeah, well, it's probably, you know, his last, if he'd have played another quarter earlier like his last quarter, I think it, he was a Monty for it. But he, yeah. he'd had 13 touches. He still has, he still has significant impact ab- above and beyond his kicks, marks and handballs and clearances and tackles. Like he, he has, we've already spoken about it, the way he communicates and, and, net and, and brings everyone together. But I mean, even if you t- if you if you take a couple of steps back and look at his career in its entirety, he probably he hasn't had a he hasn't had absolute you know breakneck speed. He hasn't had that power like a don't argue like a dusty. He doesn't take high marks. Mm. He he just kills with a thousand cuts, and he's done it for longer than most. Yep. And and so it's a it's a slow it's a slower burn. Like he's done some exceptional things in the game, the show and go, and the ability to find time and space when there is none, yep. and a, and a, and the illusion of I'm going to do this, so I'll just buy myself a half a meter over here or half a second over here, or for or for one of my teammates, that we probably don't put that on a pedestal as much as we should, but he is the 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 best exponent in the game that the game has ever seen in that regard, like the ability to find time and space when there doesn't look like there is any. 
All right. There's some great text messages coming through on the Temper 40 Winks text. 0433981116. We'll get to them in a few moments' time. It's now news time. We're off to McCafe for a coffee. In the window, and I, I think we've only just moved into the window. I know maybe because we've been um, in finals for the last five years, the, the banter has been that that's maybe we're going to miss our window, but I don't think so. I think we're we're still moving into it, and uh, you know we just got to make sure we handle this loss well. Um, you know, don't don't get too upset, don't don't get too downhearted. Um, use it as a spur to get better. Chris Fagan, the Brisbane Lions coach, do you agree with him, Bucks? Still in the window or entering the window? Well, it's it's a long way back, but they and that I think the point he was making is that they've played finals consistently over the last uh, over the last four years of his tenure. They've played a lot of finals, and getting to this step is another step again. He he made the point of um, of only losing. Yeah, losing a close grand final and that the history of teams that have done that and then have come back to win has been has happened quite consistently. West Coast in the middle of the two thousands, mm. um, Hawthorne in the in twelve to thirteen. Um uh, West, uh, West sorry, just yeah, West Coast yeah. again, fifteen to eighteen. Yeah. And then really now Collingwood eighteen to twenty three. So it's it's it can happen. Yeah. Um I think when when you look at the team that took the field, they're still quite young. I mean, Stasevich is is still a young player. Wilmot's quite young. McCluggage is finding himself. He he, I mean, he's had a, a tremendously consistent career, but he just he's found another level again. I mean, Charlie Cameron's going to be doing what he's doing for another four or five years minimum. Hipwood's still a young forward and and still got a bit of growth, but still got a bit to go. Mm. Bailey, Rayner, Coleman, we just spoke about. Um, Fletcher, who's come on in his first year, Ashcroft, who's no, who's who didn't play the second half of the year. So there's ten, and they'll get Levi Ashcroft, who's a top, probably a top five pick at the yeah. end of next year as well. So I mean, Lions drops out. Um, Lions you know, got another year though. Yeah, well, yeah, but see, but when you talk about guys that might not be yeah. in, so say that in twelve months' time, who's not going to be, who might not be there? Like Lions may or may not be there. Yeah. Zorko may or may not be there, depending on body we're talking about. Mm. Um, McKenna's, you know, getting on, but he still looks like he's got a little bit in him. Gunston. Yeah. Danaher's going to be, you know, looks like he's going to be okay for another 12 months, maybe two years. Yep. So, I mean, there, there's the argument in terms, that's that's at their top, that's their top 25. We're not even looking at, you know, the growth that's coming in underneath. But yeah. uh, Brisbane... Look to me like they, they've been a very well-run club. Their list management has been good. I don't know where their TPP's at. That has an impact. But they look like they're sound and they've developed well. They're good for the now and they're good for the future. Yep. And Fags was reflecting that post-match of the yep. granny. The temper text machine is lighting up. Bucks, does this lament your decision to move on for the better of the club? Now it looks like to me is the most unselfish act a person who loves a club could do. That's from Blair. Let's be clear. It was it was part of my, you know I had some part in it, but it was the club. It was a club decision. It yeah. wasn't just a walking away. But now, um, it it's the right, it was clearly the right decision for the for the footy club. I think the I think the twenty one drop off. I think that's overstated. I mean, it, in what way? Well, it's it's sort of saying that that yeah to win a flag after being seventeenth two years ago. That it's that that's more the anomaly than the flag is. Okay. Yeah, the last five, five or six years have been pretty strong for the mm. football club over a period of time, and and I think Craig McCraney's coaching staff deserve the credit. Um, the playing group 
But have... you did help build it, though, Bucks. Like a lot of these players. No, I understand that. No, I understand that. But uh, and uh, but uh, but look, with this this team, the, where the club is at now, is all credit to what has happened in the last couple of years, and they've been able to build on what was there before, which is what any or what any coaching group or any playing group are trying to do. You don't yeah. you, you don't start the, you don't just everything doesn't go to ruins and then you build again. One thing I've been really proud of is that a lot of the language that comes comes out through Craig McRae and still comes out through the players is very, is the same language that we began in you know in in 2017 into the 18 19 runs. So yeah. um it look but you still got to get it done. You still got to go do it. Yeah. And this team, this the club right now in 2023 and right now in September have been able to do it. So they've um, they they deserve all the credit. Can I ask about your experience in the rooms after the game? Yeah, well, yeah. I, like I, I didn't think that that was going to happen. Like, I just wanted to be down there to see a couple of the players. I didn't. See, I was there, and I was wondering whether you'd be down there. And I had a look around, and I couldn't see you. So you must nah, have been well hidden. No, nah, well, I know the security guards pretty well. The guys, <laughs> you know, there's some, there's a few guys there that were that uh, used to help me up and back from the coach's box for a long time, and um, you know, got to know them pretty well. So they were. They were, I didn't have a pass, but I, I, I snuck my way in. I saw Paul Curie on the way in. We um, you know, shared an embrace and a few nice words. And some of the staff saw Neil Price, the boot starter. I, I just I got one step in and then took two steps to the left. There's a corner there that no one really knows is there. It's it's on the way to the media room. And I just wanted to sit and absorb. I, I was It was a selfish part of me that I wanted to be a part of it, but I didn't want to be anywhere I didn't want to cheat my way into it in many ways. So it was that's that's what I felt and I was able to sit there pretty much like a fly on the wall. Got to about eight or nine or ten, couple of the players, couple of the staff, and then um I didn't feel like I'd outstayed my welcome, but it wasn't were you emotional? My, it wasn't my place. Were you emotional at this point? Uh yeah, yeah. Throughout the probably the forty five minutes post post siren. Yeah. Um then made my way around the September club, walked through the faithful, a lot of high fives, a lot of cuddles. A few lot of, photos. I had to keep moving. I, I didn't know what was going to happen if I'd have stopped, but it, that was <laughs> that was that was amazing. It was great to be um, in in the midst of that and to feel the the joy of um, of the support that's come over the fence for the best part of thirty yeah. years. So yeah, I was I was just I was just another Collingwood nuffy going for it, <laughs> and I was loving it. Great reflections, Bucks. We've got more to come on SEN Breakfast after this. We're going to do a bit of a trade update. Then we've got uh, Peter Moore, the Collingwood great and cup presenter, and also Craig Kelly is going to join us after eight. Stay with us. Kane and Bucks. Tom Morris filling in for Kane Corns. Some great text messages coming through on the Temper 40 Winks text. Bucks, thanks for sharing your innermost thoughts and emotions post-game. It is unbelievable listening, and your aura as one of the greatest amongst the Collingwood faithful continues to grow. Uh, there was one earlier I don't have I didn't pull it across for and you'll know why but uh, Blake uh, Blake said uh, Bucks uh, I'm still wiping your tears off my shoes. <laughs> 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 That's great. <laughs> if you can bottle them mate that'd be great send them through. <laughs> uh, well before we get into the uh, good oil uh, trade update and some news this Collingwood list management is a work of art 
isn't it, Bucks? And it's easy to say in hindsight because they've won the premiership, but the way that Graham Wright has formatted this list is something to behold over the last couple of years after what was a pretty tumultuous time when you were there. Yeah, well, I, th- I think what, what I see from the outside in the last couple of years, I see, and I, I think good clubs show this, is when when there's clarity between the coaching group and the way you want to play and the recruiting and when that matches up really well, that's when you can get money ball type options mm. where there's real clarity with the style that you're trying to play and where the gaps are. And, and then when you identify those, then you go to market and you go, don't go to market six weeks earlier. You go to market 12 months earlier. So Mitchell for a fourth rounder when, you know, clearly he was unwanted because Hawthorne were trying to regenerate. So one man's trash, another man's – one Hawthorne, club's trash, another club's treasure. And Hawthorne are paying some of that salary yeah, as well. Yeah, and, and, but so so were Collingwood with Grundy because yeah. Grundy became superfluous. Yeah. It, not superfluous in terms of his role because his role was still required. But if you can get someone for the Saint to do a similar job in that role for a third of the money, mm. well, then that gives you – you know, the X, X number of dollars to go and spend elsewhere. Yeah. And it might be to keep a player that you've already got or it might be to go and find one. But to get Brad, uh, to get um, to Bobby Hill, Ian Hill across for a late second rounder, McStay for a late second rounder who didn't, who isn't yet a premiership player but has, was crucial in the build-up, Frampton and Markov, like for next to nothing, yeah. like they are money ball picks that go, okay, we know how we want to play. We know what depth we need. And Frampton and Markov would have come in as depth players and maybe Mitchell even as a depth player. Yeah. But the three of them are now premiership players and played important roles when it mattered. All right, let's have a trade update for the good oil. The good oil for Cobram Estate. Australia's most awarded extra virgin olive oil. Grown, harvested and first cold pressed in northern Victoria. It's that time of year, Bucks. The trade period isn't far away. It starts next Monday. I'm on Trade Radio today from 1 till 3 with Sammy Edmund. Well, you're about to try and project onto yeah. what we've just spoken about, and, yeah. and it's easy, so much easier to back-analyse, but you know, tell us what's going to happen in the future, mate. Well, I, I want to talk about Oleg Markov as well uh, in maybe the hour from 8 to 9, but Marby Ochoa is the player I want to start with. So he met with Hawthorne and North last week and also Adelaide. Now, the Crows came to Melbourne to see him, um, Adelaide have a three-year deal for him. Uh, North and Hawthorne might, might have a three-year deal for him. They might have had a four-year deal for him as well. Of course, he's got two years left at the Gold Coast Suns. I'm not sure Brisbane's interest in him is that strong anymore. So I really think it's Hawthorne, North or Adelaide, which he's got to choose. He's probably got to choose this week where he wants to be traded to. And the Gold Coast Suns will facilitate that. So it's an interesting mm. one with Marby O'Troll given he's only been at the Suns for a couple of years. Um, but I expect that decision to come this week. So he, he, he'd been an interesting case in point because his talent is undoubted. Mm. But at times throughout his career, and especially towards the end of last year, he looked uncompetitive at times. He didn't want to compete. Mm. So that's he, he's, he's coming of age. He's got talent. If he goes to the right environment with the right game plan to match him and he's and, and you can capture his heart and mind towards what he can contribute to a team, mm. he could be a really good money ball pick. Yep. But it's – it's and then if he pops, you'll be going, okay, well, that club's done something exceptional, but it'll be a a, a, a joint. Yes. Um, mutual, it, it, mutual might, it, it might be maturing of the player, yep. finding the right environment, and then just settling. And sometimes when you get moved around a couple of times, eventually you go, oh – 
geez, it is me. It's yeah. not someone else. It is me, and I need to I need to you know, knuckle down and get it done. So he's fallen down the pecking order at the Suns, as has Paddy Dow at Carlton. So this trade request, the Blues expect to come this week. The question is whether it's Sydney, as Riley Beveridge reported last week, or St Kilda. He's exactly the sort of player the Swans are after. They've got James Jordan, who's going to go there as a free agent. Um, but St Kilda already has Jack Steele, Seb Ross, Brad Crouch to play that role. So he will be leaving the Blues. It's just where he wants to go and play and where he's assured of senior football um, and whether he goes as a delisted free agent or maybe a late trade or late draft pick as well. Yeah, management managers and helping make these decisions, they're crucial for yep. players' careers because you've got to put yourself where your best attributes are going to come to the fore. Devin, I'll whip through a couple more. Devin Robertson, he's got a decision to make re-signing at Brisbane or accepting an offer well, There's another Coast. young player in terms yep. of that Fags might be thinking about. Yeah. Tom Duday, it's go time now. Um, the season is finished for, for the Brisbane Lions, and they're clearly alongside Colin with the front runners for him. He's a free agent. Adelaide is expecting him to go. It's just where he wants to go and on what sort of deal because the Crows can't match what these other clubs are offering. But clearly the Pies and the Lions are in for him. Mm. Um I'm really interested in Todd Goldstein at Collingwood. Other clubs expect Goldstein to arrive at the Pies. They've already got Mason Cox and Darcy mm. Moore. So what do you think the Collingwood thinking is behind that? Well, if you've got you, – he would come in as a depth player and someone that, who would compete. It might even be someone who might challenge you know, Mason Cox to reach greater heights again you yep. know, or more consistency, especially in home and away. But, yeah, I, only – I wouldn't be doubting anything that Roddy choose or the, or the recruiting department at Collingwood choose to do at the moment, yeah. given their clarity of um, the way they want to play. Now, AFLW, Melbourne and Adelaide are still unbeaten at the halfway point of the season. They do play against each other this Saturday, though, at Casey Fields. I watched St Kilda's upset over the Dogs on Friday night. That was their second straight win, and that means the Dogs are winless, the only team that's winless alongside GWS. Um who were held to just two behinds against North Melbourne. So it is a worry, the gap between the best and worst in AFLW at the moment, Bucks. Well, it's taken a while for the AFL men's to, yeah. to, to get, and even all the talk around North Melbourne and the, and the, the suite of picks that are coming their way. Yeah. Um, you know, one, one of the difficult things is to find a, a level competition when there's so many teams, and the AFLW are just in, in their infancy relatively, yeah. so it's going to take some time. And Brisbane and North also had key wins uh, to stay in touch with the top two. That is the good oil. Thanks to Cobram Estate, premium Australian extra virgin olive oil. I had a case delivered to me last week, Bucks, and it is delicious. My wife is very, very happy with the Cobram Estate olive oil. The Cricket World Cup also starts soon. Oh, we might talk about that. I'll send you my address. <laughs> in the next hour, that is a trade update for local tyre power. Get four for the price of three on select Kumo passenger and SUV tyres. Plenty more to come. Collingwood CEO Craig Kelly, Peter Moore, and speaks volumes on SEN Breakfast. Kane and Bucks. I've oh, got a huge second hour, cold third hour coming up with uh, Collingwood CEO Craig Kelly and Peter Moore speaks volumes and so much more content on the agenda. That's Billy- if they've still got voices. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Billy from Ascot Vale picked up a $100 Peter Jackson voucher and a Signet Boost power bank before. So thanks to Billy. We'll take your calls after eight as well. one 736 736 on the IMAR insurance open line. And Bucks, we've got more to talk about the grand final. Some umpiring decisions. I want to discuss Oleg Markov. What a journey he's had. I want to hear more from either Collingwood or Brisbane fans about their grand final experiences as well. Give us a buzz or send us a text on the Temper 40 Winks text. More to come. 
Kane and Bucks. Tom Morris going into Kane Corns for Melbourne Airport parking. Nothing beats Melbourne Airport's terminal parking. Book online. And for Brandt, best on ground for John Deere equipment. Still to come on the McCafe menu today. Questions without notice. Collingwood CEO Craig Kelly would join us and Peter Moore as well very shortly. Bucks, but first of all, let's have Speaks Volumes. There's a horrible game by us. Oh, I think we've been building the belief. Right now we're not good enough and we're going to find a way through that. Today we didn't bring the pressure. Yeah, I think the way we set the game up in the first half is for the reason why we got the job done. We did a lot of things right. We executed the plan coming in. On Kane and Bucks, Speaks Volumes. For Loop Logics, the future of construction management. For a free demo, visit looplogics.com. Righto, Tom. So this is what we do. I'm going to pick, I'm going to, because we've only got one game, usually Kane and I are going through nine games. We pick one of the clubs yep. that we're going to, that this says the results is more about. It's a waste of time doing that because I reckon both clubs were exceptional. I'm going to pick one thing from each club and I want you to do the same. So okay. the thing for me for Collingwood, we, we knew it going in and it was proven. Collingwood have been the best, the hardest side to score against in transition for the entire year. And that's that. That's exactly what was proven again on the grand final. They only turned the ball over forty nine times, so they protected the ball. Collingwood protected the ball better than they have for the entire year, but they just made it almost impossible for Brisbane to move the ball. So from their from from Brisbane's back fifty to go into their forward fifty, like they only went. They they they, they had forty one attempts coming out of their back fifty. They only went inside their forward 59 times. So that that defence through the midfield is where Collingwood have been exceptionally strong and they just held up so well there against Brisbane. So it, it just reinforced, um, and having said that, when you get the ball in the D50 against Collingwood, sometimes their, their defence wasn't as good, but they were prepared to bring the game and defend through the middle of the field. So I think that's what... What we knew going in, what was going to be tested against a really good offensive line side, yep. but that was the thing that uh, stood out for me with Collingwood. For me, Collingwood, can I go off-field? Because that's more yeah, my absolutely. area of expertise than on-field. Two words spring to mind about the Pies, and that is transparency and authenticity. I love the way that they told Billy Frampton he was in, and they announced it to the world, I think on uh, with Andy and, and Gazy, yep. uh, when Craig McRae was on, on, was when, on, the Wednesday, on Wednesday. Yep. There was no game. Happy to tell the football world. There was no ducks yep. and drakes. They promote their social media. Well, there was because he didn't want to declare who the sub was, and probably knew that at the time that it wasn't going to be Ginnivan, it was going to be Lipinski. At that point, but yeah. the, but but still owning it, owning it. And I think Collingwood this year, um, more than any other club, has proven that you don't need to shut up shop to be a successful team. And there's been clubs in the past, and you would have been part of that as well because the, that was the way that things worked. But for the way that the Magpies are now, hopefully other clubs can take it on board. They don't need to be so sensitive with their information. Even the way that Nick Dacos hurt himself, Jeremy Howe hurt himself, and they released that information as soon as they had it the next day. I just think that's really important for their fans and also the media and the wider football population to see that. So I think it speaks volumes about their leadership. Craig yeah. Kelly, Nadine, who's come from the AFL, uh, and also their coach Craig McRae to allow that, but but it's it's actually the rest of the club listening to the coach, I reckon, yeah. because a lot of that disconnect happens when there's information internally that you if you try to close it down and if you try to protect it, it actually causes more anxiety within the playing group and within the football department yeah. because 
People are, especially when you get to a grand final, where people are asking questions. There's only two clubs in it. Yeah. And and there's you there's a lot of media people that want to know what's going on. There's a lot of um, mates. There's a lot of parents that want to know what's going on. Managers and, as well. And managers. So in the end, not having to, not having to uh, moderate a message or not tell the truth. Yep. Is it gives you energy back. Yes. So that's the, I think that was part of. What about the lines? Oh, look, the lines. I, I just thought their clearance stuff was was pretty good. They won clearance by plus six. They actually scored. Um, they scored five goals from ball ups compared to Collingwood's one. So they they were able to get enough field position. I, I they the thing that stood out. Now this isn't. There's got to be a reason why the lines. They, they were so competitive. I love the fact that they that in the front half we saw their brand, but they only got the ball inside Ford 50, 43 times. They only. Only once in the season have they had less inside 50s, and that was round one against Port Adelaide when they had 40, and they were beaten by 50 points that, that night. So there was a lot of numbers. There was some outlier results for Brisbane um, that that they would go back to, and they'll go, geez, there was large elements of our game that have been so strong throughout the year that we weren't able to execute on the, on the biggest stage. Yeah. And yet... They were right there. Yeah. They were right there. So, I think that they will they will look back at it and they will rue. Um, they will rue their the fact that when the when the, when it was on the line the most, if they could have got the ball in the four, if they had given their access another seven times, for instance, I reckon they would have kicked another yeah. goal or two, yeah. and that might have been enough. So, I, their forwards were dominant. Their mids got their mids got beat, well beaten. I thought the the rucks were probably even. I thought Dugowie ended up shading Dunkley. Yeah. I think Mitchell and Pendlebury overcame yeah Neil, um, and Crispin Dacos were even though McCluggage was really good. That was probably about even. And the wings on the and and uh, Chris Fagan acknowledged this himself. Sidebottom and Dacos were were better than Fletcher and Berry on the day. So the the midfield battle was won by Collingwood far more than the four point margin suggests. Yeah. But they needed to because Brisbane's forwards were, were quite dominant when they got their opportunities. There were three hugs I watched closely on Saturday, Bucks. One was Peter Moore with Darcy Moore after the national anthem. Mm. One was Peter Moore with Darcy Moore after the final siren. <laughs> and one was Peter Moore with Darcy Moore when he presented the Premiership Cup. This yeah, was yeah. that moment when Darcy Moore's dad presented McRae and the Collingwood captain with that Premiership Cup. I now have much pleasure inviting... Collingwood club legend Peter Moore to present the Premiership Cup to the Collingwood captain, his son, Darcy, and the Pies coach, Craig McRae. It's the moment Dad never had for all the years of trying as a magpie. And he enshrines the father and son in the footy folklore yet further. And Collingwood lift their 16th Premiership Cup Record equaling. Peter Moore now joins us on the line, not just a Collingwood champion in his own right, but also Darcy Moore's father and the presenter of the 2023 Cup. He joins us for Tire Power, the great race sale on now. Peter, welcome to SEN Breakfast. I say this in all seriousness. Have you had a better day in your life? Well, it's got, I've got four kids, Tom, so I've probably got to say that uh, them being born is the best day. But look, it was a great day. It was a great day for uh, the club and a great day for Darcy and uh, and his team. And uh, 
the coaches. I think it was just uh, fantastic. And it's really quite surreal. I, I uh, obviously never experienced I, I know how the Brisbane Lions, got, Lions guys felt, and uh, that's uh, not so great. But, uh, yeah, it was just ecstatic and uh, really surreal. It's very hard to sort of absorb it when you're out there in, in the middle of it. Congratulations, Peter. I can only imagine um, you know, what you're describing is surreal and, and the, the different emotions that would have been swirling around. There was, you, you, uh, you actually had the chance to get out there pretty quickly. It's not bad when you, when you get the chance to, to go and do what you did, and I'll ask about that in a moment. But on the wing, Darcy celebrating with his teammates. You sort of sat a couple of metres off and your eyes locked and you found each other. I can only imagine that um, every every – Every uh, blood, sweat and tear, all the good moments, all the bad ones, being a parent, um, trying to be a mentor, trying to help him along, letting him you know, f- make his own mistakes, that would have all come to pass in, in one moment. Yeah, that's right, uh, Nathan. It was, a, it was um, a great opportunity to, to be close to it. I mean, I was on the uh, interchange bench with uh, Lee. Lee and I were both resolved to go down no matter what was going on in case uh, we had to console them or... or present the cup and uh yeah it was it was crazy and then to be out there immediately after i think is the you know the fantastic part of it for the players is the realization that they've won and the look on their faces and the way they just went crazy jumping on each other they couldn't quite believe it and then i noticed das was on his knees just on his own he's uh he's had his hands just on one knee couldn't quite uh you know, deal with it, and then uh, looked up. A few of his teammates ran over, and uh, they were hugging. And I just was, was walking towards him, so I just slowed down, waited till they'd finished, and then uh, he saw me. He came and jumped in my arms, like you know, all 100, 105 kilos of him. Jumped up like a kid, you know, wrapped his oh, around. I sort of held him up in the air, so. And, you know, it was just a magical moment for, for both of us. And just, you know, I mean, Bucks, you, you know clearly how hard it is and how much work goes into just even putting a career together, let alone getting a team good enough to, to play off. So, uh, you know, I was just absolutely wrapped for him. And uh, it was a great great moment to Mate, share, it really was. You, you're giving me goosebumps because I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm picturing you seeing him as a – a five or a six year old kid again, like running running to you and that um you know, that innocence. That's so exactly what it was like. That's exactly how it felt. It's just, at the end of the day, you know, they're just your little boy at the end of the day. Oh. And uh, you know, they put a huge uh you know, huge effort in over a long career, you know, to get to the, that point. So, um and to pull it off, um the way they did was just uh, just incredible. So uh, yeah, no, uh, just there were those moments. You're right, Tom. The, the hug after the national anthem, which we didn't expect because I didn't realise that I was going to be still out there and standing next to the umpires at that time. So that was uh, a really great opportunity. And and then uh, you know to see him after the game was great. And of course then to give him the give him the cup after that. Uh, and give him a hug on the on the dice was uh, was really special as well. So you know, I'm very grateful to the footy club that they uh, nominated me to present it, and it was a terrific idea, and you know, a fantastic honour and, and and a great opportunity. Peter, you're not in the studio now, but I think you've made Bucks a little bit emotional. It's it yeah, really oh, he knows what I'm talking about. Don't worry. Yeah, he's been there, so he knows exactly what I'm talking about. Re- really touching yeah. words. Can you take us yeah. back through the events of last week when you were asked? And did it come as a surprise, and and how it all played out at your end? Uh, well, sort of in the wind, Tom. We, we 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 I talked about it with Jeff and Ned a, a few weeks ago, and we, before we'd qualified, and, and you know somebody had the idea, and I thought it was just fantastic, and so did they. And so 
we, um, you know, I sort of knew that if we qualified, it'd be possible that it might happen. And um, but I didn't tell Das or, or anybody um, until it, until it, it was official. So. Yeah, it was uh, it was just fantastic, and uh, you know I'm very grateful to the club that they that they they allowed me to do it. But you got close um, on a number of occasions, um, and I know I had mixed emotions uh, immediately after the game. I'm, I'm probably a little closer to it, but when yeah. when you've had a chance to sort of sit and reflect, and you've absorbed, you know, obviously through your son's success. Did, did you put yourself back in those moments at all? Did it bring some form of closure for you? Yeah, I think so, Bucks. But I think uh, probably interesting, like you, I felt mixed emotions when they uh, when they won the previous flags, you know, um, mm. 2010, etc. I almost sort of felt a bit jealous about it, mm. you know, because you just see that ecstasy and think, God, you know, I wish I could have done that. And um, but this time, no, I just was so, I think, invested emotionally that I didn't even feel any sort of uh, resentment about not getting there myself. But there's no question that when well, you've been there, you know, that the when you lose one, it is it, devastating. I mean, it's, it's a, like a post-traumatic stress event. I think you just take some time to get over it. It really is tough. And, uh, you know, um, it's a credible sport where it's agony or ecstasy. And, uh, you know, but I felt just joy. Um, on on Saturday and that was it was great but it is uh, it, it, it leaves a scar when you when you get knocked off and we lost a couple of close ones and you know it was uh, it was pretty tough. On a different level away from footy and it's it's not totally away from it but the way Darcy uh, communicates the way he represents um, uh, and is able to you know get the message across to the wider, you know, Collingwood Army or just any football follower in general. I I can only imagine how it feels as his father to to sit back and to see a, a young man with such emotional intelligence and 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 academic intelligence to be able to to be able to do what he does like he spoke so well after after receiving the uh, well before receiving the cup as well. Yeah, no, I'm very proud of that. I'm probably, you know, Bucks, as you know, you know, as a father of a couple of boys, you know, you're more proud of the people they are than mm. what they do in sport or what they achieve, you know. And, I mean, it's just a bonus that he's, you know, happens to be a great footballer as well. But, you know, he's a fantastic young fella and um, very genuine, authentic, and he feels for the, you know, team. He's passionate about his team and his players and um, all of the, you know, Bigger issues outside of football as well. You know, he thinks about things, and uh, and he's fl- he's lucky that he's uh, able to articulate, you know, what he's feeling and sort of catch the moment. So, no, I'm really proud of the the, the guy that he is. He's uh, he's a terrific fellow, and uh, you know, just fantastic with his sisters and the family and his and his girlfriend, and just the way he's so super busy the last uh, month and just had time for everybody. So, uh, he's got four little. Uh, a niece, three nieces and a nephew, and they get plenty of attention as well. So you know he's a, he's a great young fellow, and uh, very proud of the I, person that he is uh, I, more than the footballer. I know dads don't always get the inside scoop um, when <laughs> you know their sons. You might be one of the last people to get the information at times, but I always, you know, it was quite obvious that Das always had leadership potential. It was going to be a matter of whether he wanted to step into it, and he needed to believe in it enough. I think before he was going to do that, um, did did you have any conversations with him about his leadership journey over the last you know six or seven years and 
stepping into leadership group. I think that was into 20 and then, and then ultimately deciding that, yeah, I, I want to, I have a, I have a, an inspiration and a passion and I want to captain this club. Yeah, I think Bucksy just, uh, he's pretty strategic and he thought he's probably, you know, officially got involved in the leadership, you know, when he felt it was the right time. I think yep. that's probably what happened. I didn't, you know, really get involved in talking about that. It's really when he felt it was the right time. I think when, um, when you retired and then, um, um, you know, Fly got got there. He, he thought about it that mm. first year that Fly was there that uh, he, he'd get involved and um, and Scott wanted to keep you know keep on for another year, which is fine. And everybody was totally on board with that. And so Darcy was his vice captain and um, sort of moved transitioned in. And I think you know it was terrific how that how that worked. And um, yeah, and I think he just matured to the point. I think he was concerned too with his injuries, trying to get through those soft tissue periods and stuff. He just wanted to be playing well and ready to do it. And I think he's, you know, it's, it's been worked out really well because um, Scott's still there and playing great footy and very supportive. And um, he's got a really uh, good, you know, experienced group around him with uh, Scott, who's like an on-field coach, as you know, uh, Buck. No one yep. knows more about footy than Scott you know, in terms of what's going on in the game. So uh, he's been fantastic and Harry. And, of course, Tay Adams was... A crushing loss because he's been a fantastic support for Darcy and really his closest uh, ally in the leadership group, I think. So, uh, and, you know, and Howie and Sidey and all those guys. So he's got, got great support there. So it's, uh, it's been worked out really well. Well, for your for your benefit, mate, Darcy, well before he, he got the mantle, he was he was um, a crucial part of the of the leadership in the in the leadership group, but. He's um, he's been significant the whole way. Congratulations on on his success. Yeah, well done, Peter. You should be very proud, and we really appreciate your time this morning. Enjoy the celebrations and revel in the achievements achievements of uh, of your son. He's a he's an outstanding person, clearly an amazing captain and an incredible player. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it, guys. Peter, on, Pete. Peter Moore, Collingwood champion, and Darcy's father, and also the twenty twenty three Cup presenter. That is Peter Moore. Craig Kelly still to come, but your calls and questions without notice up next. Kane and Bucks. Not Kane and Bucks this morning. Tom Morris and Bucks. Not quite like for like, is it, Bucks? Well, I don't want to disparage either of you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> uh, let's get to a call uh, for the IMA Insurance open line. Got to be quick, Michael. You've got a question for Nathan Buckley. Yes, yeah. Look, I just wanted Bucks. What do we need to win again? So we topped up with Mitchell. <laughs> And, and uh, you know, the others, what is it that we, we're going to need? Michael, you know what you need to do is actually enjoy it. Enjoy it for a little bit. You know, that, it'll, it'll come back around and the, 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 the people that are in there will make the right decisions and they'll give you a great chance. But for now, have a nice coffee, enjoy it, and go and talk, go to the water cooler, talk to your Carlton mates and all the rest of them and, uh, and enjoy being the uh, premiers. <laughs> I love that, Bucks. And, you know, one of the things with these um, – and whenever a team wins a premiership, everyone starts talking about a dynasty. You know, Melbourne in 2021, when are they going to win their next? Even Geelong last year, can they do it again? But what I've realised about Collingwood here, and they speak about it, they just live in the present and they yeah. enjoy the moment more than potentially any other club that we've seen in certainly quite some time. Yeah, once again, it, that's similar language that we were that we were talking about sort of, um, yeah, from 17, 18, 19. So yeah. the, 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 some of those themes that are coming through, and you can see Darcy Moore and like Nick Dacos last couple yep. of years, he comes in, they're smiling as they're going up the race. They're enjoying what they're doing. 
That's great. There was a distinct difference between the photo of you walking up the race oh, yeah. in 2002 oh, or three with Paul LeCure behind you compared to now. And that's a, that's a sign of the times as well. Well, it is a little bit generational, but yeah, I and that was that was when I'd got over myself a little bit. Like I, I, I'd actually, I was enjoying my football. What do you, you mean know, you got over yourself? The, well, the second half of my yeah. playing career, I actually, you know, was smelling the roses a little more than yeah. I was in the first half. So, but um, yeah, there's a, just, just being in that moment, having gratitude for the opportunity that you are in or that you're about to be a part of and, um, and embracing the, the challenge and the opportunity that comes with it. That's all part of it. And I think, um, yeah, I think we do do that better as a code, and, and Collingwood have done that exceptionally well. We've got more Collingwood still to come as well. Craig Kelly, their CEO, will join us in about 10 minutes' time. We have a Beaumont Tiles who are giving away a trip for two to American footy's biggest game worth over $70,000. Just shop in store at Beaumont before November 12, and you're in with a chance. T's and C's apply. Let's head to the news. Questions without notice. For the new Signet Mag family, power every moment. Explore the range on signet.com and in stores now. All right, here we go. We've got Craig Kelly coming up soon. I've got a question for you, Bucks. Yep. Is question without notice. Yep. Is there a chance Collingwood committed the 666 infringement intentionally after Charlie Cameron's goal to get a throw up and favour the taller Mason Cox in the ruck? Yeah, they could have. Mm. And that would be really smart coaching if it if they could have, because I think Mason is better. Knowing where the ball's going, then then um, then McInerney would have been advantage for that. But it definitely it definitely worked in their favour. Like it was a, it was a solid ruck contest, but um, I, I, kicking the centre bounce goal yeah. out of that to to Geordie, it uh, it had a significant difference or impact on the game. Um, there's been suggestions that Charlie Cameron should should go for the late bump on on Jeremy broke Howe. his ribs. Yeah, yeah. Do you think there should have been a free kick? Because uh, there was a down the field free kick. They're consistent. They pay that as soon as the play kicks the ball. If it's even a millisecond late, they do pay down the field. Well, I love Howie, and, yeah. and he got injured. For, I, I don't know what Charlie Cameron did wrong there. Well, he was late, marginally. Yeah, he he was right there, and he 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 probably needed to do that ten times a game, and he's probably done it ten times a game. Well, yeah. in that in that contest, that sort of contest. But I thought that was. I thought that was a bit stiff. I didn't think that was a free. Do you think it should be chargeable by the, at the MRA? No, definitely no. not. I've got one not. for you. Do you think the Lockie Neal advantage should have been paid or not with a minute 30 to go? Well, um, the advantage is up to the player, not up to the umpire. Yep. So the fact – and it's hard when the whistle – when it's so loud and the whistle isn't potentially heard. Yeah. Um, but, no, I think that I, the advantage is on the player. And, yep. and I listened to about three or four different calls um, over the time on free-to-air – and on over the radio, and not one of the callers or special comments picked up the fact that that's what it was. No. There was. There was only there wasn't much about it until you get on social. But common sense shouldn't the umpire see that it's not an advantage as soon as the ball just gets ballooned in the air and bring it back, or is mm. that not the way that the game is adjudicated? Uh, no, it's up to the it's a, it's up to the player the to play take might it. Not so, know. No, it's so quick. No, they don't know, and they, they've you. you you remember players that sort of stop and put their hands yes. up in the air? Like if you've got your opportunity to do that, you do it. It's, yeah. uh, I don't know how much – I mean, it, um, we don't know the what-ifs. So no. Lockie Neal, 65 out, Collingwood flood the back line. You don't know if that uh, changes yeah. it, it, but we know what did happen. Shane, Shane McInerney, who umpired 500 AFL games, yeah. I texted him this morning. He said it was the correct for a kick. The issue 
is with the uh, rule itself. Right. It takes the discretion away from the umpire. And I think it's the only code in the world where we pay advantage after a whistle goes. Whereas in soccer, they just there's no whistle. They just pay it and they bring it back if need be. So it is a little bit grey. Um, should all players get medals? I don't think all players should get medals, no. Do you? I think in, in the NFL, they all get rings, Super Bowl rings. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 th- I think that the entire football program – I think the entire football program needs to be recognised by the league. I don't disagree with that, but I think a premiership medallion should be just for the players who played on I agree, the but there needs to be some form of knowledge. And most clubs <clears throat> will actually <clears> – <throat> pardon me. That's not, that's not, Excuse me. That's not necessary emotion, but it could be. Yeah. I, think, I think most clubs will generally be responsible for acknowledging yeah. their staff – and that's probably where it needs to be. But how far does a league need to go? So in the end, Noble, who's played a lot of footy and missed out late, McStay, who played a lot of footy and missed out late, Tay Adams. I mean, you can't pot, you can't have anything material that is that is going to fill that void. But yeah. I think the clubs will find a way of doing it, and I think good clubs do. Would it have made you feel more part of it in 2010 <clears throat> as an assistant coach had you been awarded with a medal or something? Uh, no, but. A, Bit of acknowledgement would have been great. It was. I actually went to the post match and Craig McRae's acknowledgement of his yep. coaching staff and the, and the wider football department staff. I thought well, it wasn't exceptional, but it was, it was, it it felt it was absolutely sincere and it was a selfless way of 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 him acknowledging the fact that there's a massive team there that makes his job possible. That was questions without notice for Signet Mag Family Power Every Moment Australian designed, Australian owned. Craig Kelly up next. Kane and Bucks. Coleman head over the ball. And so ends one of history's great grand finals. Collingwood take the final step on the stairway to Premiership Heaven. Flies, pies, win the close one. Collingwood are Premiers in 2023. What an amazing day it was to be a Collingwood supporter and to be Nathan Buckley, I imagine, as well, and to be this man, Craig Kelly, the Collingwood CEO. Craig, have you come down from that high yet? Uh, yeah, mate. That was a little, I'm a little croaky this morning. <laughs> um, <clears throat> we certainly uh, tied one on yesterday after we the family day. The whole club um, went back to one of the big group's uh, venues, Luminaire, and uh, we... Uh, we didn't leave much on the dance floor, I know that. But uh, the knees are very sore, Nathan, this morning. I've got some great moves. You've seen me at my best, mate. I was um, got a bit interesting when I tried to lift a couple of the players up over my head. So, anyway. Yeah, no, best is uh, best is arguable. Um, I've seen I've seen you knew at your worst, and I'm sure I would have seen more of it. How did you? We were just talking about um, you know, medallions or recognition beyond the 23 that that take. The field. How has the club um, thought to, or has recognised the contribution of of the many to um, to yeah, Saturday? That's a, a good question. We're talking about it with um, Fly and myself, and uh, we're just talking about it on uh, yesterday um, late in the afternoon. And um, we we, you know, we think that's important, so we'll be doing something. Um, and it's nice for. I mean, it was amazing, mate, when you sort of. Um, you know, you know a lot of the staff there, and uh, some of them been there for a long time and missed out um, with you. And uh, I was saying, what, what's it feel like? And they said, the best day of my life. This is amazing. And you know, it, 
bond you all together. So um, we do need to do something. We we'll do need to do something, and we'll be. Craig, I don't before know what it is. a bit a bit earlier, we were talking about the whole vibe of Collingwood, for lack of a better term, and how you seem to be so transparent and authentic, and how different this is to most footy clubs ten years ago, and even some footy clubs now. Where does this direction come from? It's a uh, it's refreshing. Oh, mate! I think you know Jeff uh, uh, when he puts a put the, a, a great board in place, and then you know, and and I spoke about this to Bucks, and uh, he, you know, he uh, hopefully don't mind me talking about it, but um, and we're sitting there Saturday night, and it was up and down for Bucks as a you know feelings that he has for the club and what he's put in, and and it's it, the thing Fly has been talking about, and we talk about is the fact we're only here for we only sort of come through. A, a football club, and you leave, it and you want to leave it better. And Bucks always said that to me when he went in there coaching. And a lot of those people, not just the players, people around Bucks, um, there's things that he's left a mark on that allows us to pass on to the next group. So the transparency of all in and we're open and respect us, and we'll we'll, we'll respect you is something that you know both Fly and myself, Jeff, Roddy. Um, it's not to say we don't get annoyed at times with um, what's being reported or said, but the the, the reality is um, it's a lot more open because um, the coach uh, and the coaching group wants it to be like that. You've um, you've been able to look from the the outside in as a as a manager over the longest time at at guys like or the two guys in particular, Scott Penabry and, and Steel Sidebottom. They've just won. Their second flag, thirteen years apart. What um, what have you noticed coming into the environment and being around those two that um, that has surprised you? Um, you know that you might not have seen from the outside. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I always knew um, both of those athletes. Obviously, through what you told me, they were we never looked after them as management, but their um, preparation and the fine tuning they do every week and how they go about it and how relaxed they are, the maturity they give to the group. And we saw that, I think, on Saturday when... Um, it was a bit the same when we won in 90. When you look at Banksy and, and Shorey, there's this... You know, they've been there so many times. Those And, and the same with Saudi and Pendles is they they just don't want to... They wanna, don't want to lose it. So they, they sort of bring this sort of calmness that, hey, we've been there... We're okay. We can do this, and and um, I think that's the thing that uh, I, I respect the most about them. It's the way they just roll around the club. They throw basketball. You know, Pennells just throws basketball hoops and cruises around. <laughs> and it's all calm, and um, and Sidey makes sure his sandwiches are about a, a millimeter apart, set up beautifully, and cut perfectly. <laughs> so uh, it's quite quite interesting characters. But I love Sidey because he's, I've got that connection with Mansfield, and obviously his brothers and that comes down from Shep and oh, they're, they're mad, aren't they, Bucks? They're, they're, oh, they're, they're, yes, they are. Units. They're coming up from the hills and away they go. Oh, they are, and it was great to see them all there on Saturday night. One, one thing about Steele is he he had a fear of flying for the longest time. He had to face that. Did he? Well, he, he probably came to the right club. There. We, didn't travel, <laughs> we didn't travel that often. <laughs> but he still he still had to face it. And you yeah. get him on a, on a plane any time. I don't know if you've noticed it but or whether he's got any better, but if there's a little bit of turbulence, he's uh, he's he's going spare. What what about um, you know, We spoke to Peter earlier. Great, you know, inspired decision, and and how you know th- those images will stand the test of time in Collingwood's history over 
you know, centuries. Oh, yeah. But, um, you know, Darcy as a, as a leader, like, you couldn't ask for a better representative of a football club. No, I mean, and, and you know, that was when Jeff, um, Pete sat with Jeff and I in, the, in our seats for, you know, right behind, behind me and next to Jeff and, it's quite calming to have him there, and and Dakes was a little bit anxious on Saturday. But um, Pete's uh, to be able. To, Jeff said to me, "Why don't we try and get Pete to do the cup?" And we obviously a few connections and friends of the AFL were, thought it was a great idea, so it worked out well. But that that photo of handing over the cup to his son will be that's pretty amazing. But um, I, I reckon, mate, and and you've seen it, and we've spoken about it is. When you when you're around as a player as a kid, so much of the conversation around, and you're hearing the talk of football and what it's about, and you grow up like that, I think it allows you. And and the way he thinks, you know, Darcy thinks a lot differently to other um, footballers and approaches it very differently in his own way. But um, when you hear those conversations at the dinner table for so much of your life, it sort of becomes you sort of know what I reckon you you know what to say and how to say it. So. He's just, and he's genuine. I mean, that's a great thing yeah. about all the boys. I think it's not just us. Is whenever they talk now, they just there's a reflection on how what Fly wants it to be said and how we want to go about it as a club. And you know, I think hopefully that's something that I, I bring as well. I've, as much as people say, I you know, I, I do get, and we do do a bit of media. At the end of the day, it's it's just got to be sensible and common sense. And it's the same during the year when we go the when Jeff wanted to do the jumpers with uh, Port Adelaide, it just, it's not that big a deal and um, let them do it for one game over there in Adelaide. No, I thought I, I thought we would have heard from you more. You haven't beat, beat your chest as much <laughs> as I thought you would have. Um, you came you came in a little bit later after trade period, but I think um, you know, Derek Hine, Adam Shepard uh, deserve a lot of credit over the years, but, but in particular in the last couple of years, you know, when you spoke to Wrighty, and I think his influence and imprimatur's all over this as well about the you know the money ball picks the Tom Mitchell you know Bob Hill who goes on to be a Norm Smith medalist McStay who helps you get there Frampton Markov what did Wrighty say about those guys and you must be so impressed with you know your ability to be able to stock pick to make you better after after getting close last year yeah and I know like you said I was I was sort of on the back end of that I agreed to come with to to the club with Jeff in December so. We're having conversations, but didn't walk in until Feb. So, um, and I, I'd had a couple of chats with Roddy, and he was um, obviously, you know, we've spoken a lot with management over the years about this sort of stuff, and I think um, they knew it was, it was more so. I think Bucks, when you left, there was you know, we had to tidy up the list in relation to the salary cap. You know the issues we had there. Really. <laughs> yeah, apparently, <laughs> apparently, <laughs> apparently, um, and so you're you're almost forced a little bit to and and uh, yeah, I think honestly the guys were in that first year last year were going wow this is we're, we're better than this probably they maybe thought they were going to get out of the group and then all of a sudden it's it, it, it you know Roddy sits there and his whole history I reckon he's one of the great. Um, guys to sit back and bring um, those sort of players into clubs but then you put that with Fly and Leper and then the high performance of Jared Wade and then you get Derek and the guys doing their work um, being able to get, and, and Oleg was very much Fly's want mm. because he knew him well but then McStay into Mitchell and Mitchell sort of came at uh, Roddy late um, 
you know, they knew what they had to get because, you know, our inside was, was soft and we weren't getting it out to the guys on the outside. So, you know, that's the, I think the reality is, Bucks, um, for us now in Victoria, the, the clubs in Victoria, with what's happened with North, um, with that, that, that extra couple of picks, and then also what's going to come at us with Tassie plus the academies on that uh, up in Sydney and, and Gold Coast and Queensland, we're up against it, mate. So, you yeah. know, trying to pick the youth, it's going to have to be more of a strategy, a bit like, you know, I think what Geelong's looked at as well, is we've got to be able to do this and still go to the draft with the right players. They'll get the right players, but then we're going to have to have the ability to go and just get someone to come in for a couple of years, and it might only be two years. You're, campa- yeah. you're campaigning yeah. already. You're just right <laughs> the flag, he's campaigning already. Hey, Ned, we really appreciate your time. Um, enjoy Mad Monday and enjoy the celebrations. Uh, you deserve it. Congratulations. Thanks, well done, Craig. Ned. Craig Kelly, the Collingwood CEO. More to come on SEN Breakfast after this. Kane and Bucks. Have a listen to Peter Moore on the podcast and also Craig Kelly as well. Bucks, it's been a pleasure with you. Jared Waitley's about to uh, step into his... Customary seat. Where do you rank this grand final, Jared? Of all grand finals you've seen, yeah, right up there. Such a great grand final, yeah. and one you could talk about for hours. Yeah. Right up there, and you will. The modern. Well, I'll listen hours. to you this morning yeah. and talk to you tomorrow, Jared. Yeah. <laughs> Love your work. Thank you, Bucks. See you next time on SEN Thanks, Breakfast. Tom.